1: And welcome once again, everyone, Big Dave and Joe, for another show in our
2: coronavirus
1: world that we're living in right now as we are completely socially distanced, not even six feet apart, more like <laughs> 60 miles <laughs> between the three of us. Anyway, Joe Costello again uh, doing, a, doing uh, the job with us uh, on the uh, controls back in our regular studio, and hopefully we'll be back there before too long, but Joe from his home down in uh, the south part of Dade County, and me from the north part of Broward county, so we 're pretty far away Joe how are you doing
0: i 'm doing fine, guys, and I hope both of you have had a healthy week this week. everybody good at home, family, everybody friends
1: yeah, absolutely uh you know it's uh you do what you got to do right, and uh we 'll see what happens but uh you know it uh it 's something that we 're dealing with. I think everybody's dealing with it uh of course everyone there's going to be people who always complain about some things, but uh We'll do the best we can. Anyway, tonight's show, uh, uh, we'll get to in the second part of the show a site that Joe mentioned to me this afternoon. who wanted to mention uh, and talk about a little bit, and that's this uh, uh, Facebook site of poker dealers. And there was a couple of interesting opinions, of people telling some stories from over the years. And we'll get to that later in the show. But um, we'll kind of update you on what's going on in the world of poker. As we always do, and uh, there was a huge tournament. I guess we'll start there uh, rather than start with the horrible news of numbers out in Vegas and what's happening out there. We'll get to we'll get to that and mention because I'm sure people are wondering what the final uh, financial aspects are going to be of this whole thing when it's all said and done. But there was a great charity event. It was a ten thousand dollar buy-in, and it was broadcast on Twitch uh it put on by America's Card Room Joe I know you've uh, you've heard of them and uh, uh they had this uh, huge tournament that uh brought in a lot of big name stars and and quite a few big name pros as well they'd ended up drawing 65 people and they raised almost 2 2 million dollars for uh the coronavirus combat effort uh it was called uh All in for Feeding America, and that was the beneficiary, was feedingamerica.org. They have done some uh, promotion over the past few weeks to try to help people, uh, including a uh, concert that was on uh, network television and raised a lot of money on that. Alicia Keys and Usher and and Garth Brooks and and several uh, big stars were – Singing from their homes really is what it was, of course, and it was beautiful. And there was some really great stuff, and they raised a lot of money there. But they had this poker tournament, and I just want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, po- charity poker is something over the years has been uh, a good friend of ours, Joe.
0: Yes, yes it has. And uh, and, and they've always done a great job with that So. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm we, uh, sorry, yeah. Dave. I thought I lost yeah. you there for a no, second. No, we're okay.
1: Anyway, I want to talk about this tournament because it was really interesting, some of the players that played. Uh, Tom Brady played from the uh, the now Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People haven't been keeping up on NFL news. But uh, <laughs> he was in there the front man for Maroon 5, Adam Levine. Uh, the two stars of Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul both played. Adam Sandler was in it. Uh, Jason Bateman. Uh, Toby McGuire, who you know is an avid poker player, it was put together by uh, by Ben Affleck. He was one of the main people that uh, announced the event on social media. It was at two o'clock on Sunday, and uh, America's Card Room themselves put in a million dollars, and then uh, the, the buy-ins were only sixty five uh, six hundred fifty thousand. But um, you know there was a lot of people who contributed, and uh, a couple of rebuys along the way. Uh, and it was a great time. Everyone had a super time. It's kind of funny, uh, you know, I was watching the chat room, which was just swamped with people. But what is the first thing that people complain about? Oh, well, why aren't these stars all mic'd up? they <laughs> you know, got 65 players at a poker tournament, and they want everyone to have a microphone. But what they what they did was, when some of them got knocked out, uh, or were away from the table for a short time. They called in to the uh, the Twitch feed and 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 went on the air by telephone. And uh, of course, so when you get these people,
0: couldn't be happy that they were doing this for a very good cause.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sarah Silverman, John Hamm, Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Of course, Matt Damon was involved, but uh, some really funny people. And from what I hear, and you can go to Twitch and, and watch the replay. It's about a a four hour show. But uh, if you're interested, you can check that out. And a lot of people, I hope they'll do that. But uh, uh, Sarah Silverman got in. She said she was going to play. She says, "I'm in, and I'm playing fast and loose, just like your grandma's butt."
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then there oh, were like a lot
1: that. of there were a lot of pros playing too. Doyle Brunson played, Jason Kuhn, Alex Foxen. Uh Tom Canooli, former November niner, uh Jaime Staples. So uh it was a really great tournament. But the interesting thing I, I thought for our show is uh former guest in the show of ours, Ebony Kenny. I know you remember her. She, and you mentioned, I believe, last show that she's moved
0: out out west, hasn't she? Well,
1: to the west coast of Florida. She lives over there, but uh she was actually wearing a Miami Heat shirt uh in the tournament. But she was uh she was down to, uh, I think, let's see, what, uh, like, a, like a single um, big blind in the tournament. She had a lot of trouble early in the uh, tournament, uh, and she thought she was out or maybe headed for a second buy-in. Anyway, she went on a run, and she ended up making it to the final table and ended up winning the tournament. So uh, Wow. <laughs> she, was, she was the champion of this thing. Uh, pretty interesting, I thought.
0: Excellent. So she... So she she had almost the equivalent of a chip in a chair, just about,
1: huh? Absolutely, but she won the tournament, uh, finishing second. Uh, uh, well, let's see who finished second. I know that uh, Kevin Pollack made the final table. Uh, Andy uh, Milonakis took third. I don't actually have the second place finisher, but uh, um, one of the she was she was uh, tweeting and going on Instagram a lot during the thing. Uh, when Tom Brady had posted a note that he was going to play, uh, she, uh, she sent back on Twitter uh, a note, I cannot wait to take your chips, Mr. Brady. <laughs> He's
0: trying to start, stir up some stuff there, huh?
1: Right, exactly. Matt Damon made the final table. Phil Helmuth played and made the final table. Uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, the actor who was in clerks and uh did the the Jason um, movies over the years uh Silent Jason and Silent Bob I guess it's called and uh, it's called Jay also and several Bob. other big names were in this as well
2: Jay and Silent oh, Bob big i just got to correct Sin- you on I, that I, Jay and Silent Bob
1: I, I got that wrong but I did have seen Kevin uh, Kevin Smith on his uh a couple of videos he did on his uh, stand up which was uh, hilarious anyway uh those players all played in this thing. 65 players, $10,000 buy-in, and the final winner was uh was Ebony Kenny.
0: Well, congratulations to her, especially with such a small stack at a very critical point. So, good for her.
1: And the second place finisher, I do have it now, it uh, was Kevin Pollock finished second. So he's the, the oh, actor that's been in a lot he's of... He's
0: another uh, avid poker player.
1: Yeah, he is. He's been in the World Series main event uh, several times. But uh, just your thoughts, I guess. Uh, you know, obviously, poker is great uh, for charity and has raised a lot of money over the years with our, a lot of our good friends that we've been involved with, but... Uh, you know, to put together an effort like this, I think uh, that uh, America's, America's Card Room is certainly to be congratulated for doing a great job.
0: Well, let me tell you, that's the one I've been playing on for, you know, ever since most of the sites have gone down, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. It used to be Doyle's room.
1: Right, that's right. It was It used door. to
0: be Doyle's room, and then, uh, you know, Doyle got out of it. You know, once, once, once the proverbial, you know what hit the fan. Yeah. And, uh, they took over, changed it to America's Card Room. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed playing on there. I've had a lot of fun. I've made some money on there. But to be completely honest with you, Dave, I have not played in quite a while. Um, you know, my other job kept keeping me away from that. And now that we've been down for four weeks, uh, tomorrow, I believe will be four weeks that the, the, they've asked us here in Dade County to be down. Um, I really haven't had the time. Yeah, it's not to say I haven't had the time. I just, it's just my wife and I at home, and uh, if I get on a computer to play cards, I could be there 9, 10, 12 hours nonstop and
1: yeah,
0: That ain't going to be good for the home life, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: yeah there's uh there's a lot of bad things about this whole scenario that we're going through right now but uh uh I was really kind of shocked to see some of the the news of that uh, uh, domestic abuse is way up and and it's you know, certainly understandable when when people that are normally working and apart a lot all of a sudden when they're crammed into the house together for twenty four hours a day well, it it cannot be the best for relationships
0: well. You know, this, and you are 100% correct, and I learned that many, many years ago, uh, shortly after being married, I got lucky enough to go work for GM. They were opening up a second shift in Tarrytown, New York. Dave, and I don't know what the reasoning was behind this, but I've kept so much of this. They they made us go to a schooling for a whole week, all the new hires. And one of the things, I I don't know, to be honest with you, why, but they told us that they, they had done a study, and people who had worked at, the, at their plants, men who had worked at their plants for 25, 30, 35 years, and then retired, well, the, 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 there was a stat that something like 50% of them within three years got divorced because their wives were going crazy because they didn't know what to do with their husbands, and they were so bored because they didn't know how to occupy the time that they were usually at work. Right. And, and I believe we're going to be getting a whole lot of that right now.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, you know, things will change before too long. There's already talk of sending people back to work, which uh, seems a little premature at this point, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but just to close out this uh, this uh, charity event, uh, it benefited Feeding America, where you can go and uh, contribute if you want for feedingamerica.org. You can also go to Twitch and look up the tournament, which was called All In for America. And uh, it raised close to $2 million, including the money contributed by America's Card Room. And uh, check that out. Very entertaining. From I watched a little part of the beginning of it, and I'm, we'll go back and watch more. But uh, they have, uh, by the way, Feeding America has a network of over 200 food banks. I've seen their truck on the news down here in South Florida, uh, tape, handing out a lot of free food and helping out people that are really suffering. But they feed more than 46 million people a year, through their soup kitchens, their shelters, and their other uh, food pantries.
0: Oh, listen, and Dave, you know, everyone talks about all the bad things usually when hurricanes, tornadoes hit, which have hit at this country also in different states here, and, you know, praying for those people over there. But, you know, sometimes things like this brings out the best in a lot of people, and, you know, instead of instead of pointing out the bad ones, it's really nice to, you know, give credit and applaud the, the, all the ones that have, you know, stood, in, stood at the front line of this disease and trying to help those that need it the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to get to this topic of poker dealers. I think we'll have this in the second segment. So let me just touch on some news where, you know, the, world, the poker world does not end, obviously. And uh, there are tournaments going on around the world, including the Irish Open, uh, it has a, had their big online tournament, which uh, just concluded uh, the main event over there. Uh, Borgata, with their spring open, was also online this year. So, uh, big tournaments, you can always stick on some of that. But on the uh, darker side of poker, the, the Kevin Postle story continues to uh, move along. Uh, a poker pro named Marley Cordero, uh, I follow her on Twitter, and she's very interesting. But she has filed her own separate lawsuit from the one that's out there right now uh, for two hundred fifty thousand against uh, Postle. And there was an interesting artist. She talked about you know some of the things that happened to her. Uh, you know, over time. She actually talked about a, a certain hand that, that I just want to touch on and see what you thought. Uh, she says uh, that they were, they pointed out a, a point where on uh, March 6th, or I'm sorry, May 6th of last year, uh, Postel was playing one of his games and he would constantly, you know, look down by his chair and you know, basically, in his crotch area, which is where he had his telephone, and he could see the hole cards basically of the other players, and he was not caught for a long time. But that's where part of this uh, accusations of cheating come from. But during his uh, game out there, he accidentally went to the commentary booth and joined to talk about uh, some of the hands, and he admitted that he had knowledge that the stream, the po- the stream only displayed two of the four hole cards in Omaha. So, you know, they said that's something that is obvious. There's no way he could have had that information without prior knowledge of what was happening on the stream.
0: Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) so he put his foot into it right there, huh?
1: Absolutely. Anyway, there was his buddy uh, who was the poker room director, the tournament director. His name was Justin Kiritis, and he's been named in the lawsuit. He was in charge of the live streams. And they pointed out that when Caritas was out of town on vacation, that Postle's results were, were not very good. So uh, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, but there were years. no
0: criminal charges brought against him, correct? Uh, These are I all civil, n- civil lawsuits?
1: Correct. I don't believe they have any of that going, although that could come later on, depending on when comes out in trial. But uh, he had a 94% win rate uh, at this casino, the Stones, uh, the gambling hall.
0: Well, listen. You know, uh, sooner or later, most of these people get caught with all of this, Dave. You know, it's just, and it's greed. And it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just I'm getting uh, numb to this, Dave, from some of the stuff that I've seen. I mean, this was very brazen. I don't know if you were a fan of the of the series show uh, Vegas.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a, it's they, right they
0: had a very similar, and I don't even know if maybe this is where these people got the idea. But it was a very similar scenario where some local housewife was, you know, supposedly making unbelievable reads. And, you know, and she was getting feedback exactly like what we're talking about right now. So, um, you know, they, they're always, like I said, if, if there's a game to be played, regardless of what game it is, there's always going to be people who are going to try to cheat at it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Dave, let me ask you something real quick because I didn't want to interrupt you while you were talking. There, you said there was a, a poker tournament in Ireland. Was that online or? Yeah, or that one. That you... one
1: was also online. The Irish Open.
0: Okay, because I, you know, I don't want to mention this gentleman's name. He's pretty well known out there, um, and I saw a feed on Facebook that said, you know, this is a gentleman that, you know, a lot of people know him. And apparently, you know, he couldn't he couldn't stay at home when when the casino shut down. And I know that he posted that he was at a home game and this that, and the other. And over the last three or four days, from from a post from one of the people that I trust very much, asking us to pray for him because he's been you know diagnosed with the coronavirus.
2: Jeez, oh, jeez. And
0: I can only think of you know yeah, it's very sad that that he got this, but you know that he put so many other people at risk. by playing in these private games.
2: Well, absolutely,
1: and I think we're going to see some of this stuff from these huge church services uh, on Easter Sunday where these pastors had over a 1,000 people, you know, so close together, and whether they tried to stay six feet apart or not, you know, you get that many people. Um, You know, they just defied the government, and... uh, We'll see what happens. Hopefully nothing bad will come out of it, but uh, you got to figure that something, uh, something's going to happen.
0: Listen, we, we, none of us want to go to a police state, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, there comes a point where you have to arrest a few idiots that are doing stuff like this just so that the rest of the, you know, the rest of the public understand, hey, this is some serious stuff here. I, I don't understand how people aren't taking this seriously with the, the amount of deaths that they're, you know, that, that's all you hear about on the news.
1: Yeah, how many absolutely.
0: new cases people have it, how many have died, you know, in this country and other countries, you know, it, it, it's it, it's very frustrating for those of us who are, you know, doing everything that we're being asked to do, you know, for social you know distancing, doing everything that we can to try to prevent ourselves and our family and our friends from getting this and passing it on. And then to have such, you know, selfish, inconsiderate jerks out there who just obviously don't give a damn about anybody else.
1: Yeah, exactly. Listen, I wanted to run that one hand by you uh, real quick uh, to see if you think this is obviously cheating. Uh, This was the hand that Marley Cordero played against Postel in a $10, $25, $50 no-limit game. Uh, Cordero flopped the nut straight with holding queen-10 on a jack-9-8 flop. Postel was holding... Queen Jack. So postal checks. She bets out, and he calls. Then after the flop, which came the the Jack Nine Eight, he he checked, and she bet, and he folded.
0: Yeah, this is well. I don't know if you remember, Dave, but this was the hand that started all of this. That's the same hand. That's the hand. If you go back, that's the same hand that we spoke about. Whatever oh, okay. a couple of months I didn't ago when that. this first started. Okay. That he had hit. That he had hit two pairs and then laid it down because he had hit top two, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he had made the call with her having the nut straight. He had top pair with a jack and what was it? You said the jack hit on the turn, So he, right? had,
1: he had he had a gut shot straight draw with the top pair after the fall. Okay, right. And the jack hit. But that
0: wasn't the card he needed for his gut shot.
2: Right. Right. Correct. And
0: and you know, I, like I said, his call on that. Now, once that jack came up, though, if I remember correctly, all you needed was a ten to complete the straight. Correct. For me, for me, it didn't seem again without having watched some of the calls that he had made uh, previously. Obviously, with you know having the information of what his opponents had, you know. To me, it would have been an easy fold if he had gotten if he had information on the flop. You understand? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know again the, how how the betting structure went on the flop. Um, you know, but if he had that information, he could have said, "Oh, you probably got me out kicked." Could have talked himself out of that hand out loud, and people could have probably followed that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um,
0: they 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 studied a bunch hours and hours more of other hands, which I haven't gotten all of them. You you did mention a few on our show uh, weeks ago, but uh, I believe this was the hand that you know
1: <laughs> set everything off.
0: Uh, set everything, you know, Set the, set set the wheels in motion on them. So
1: in in um, her lawsuit, this is how they worded it. They said uh, in a vacuum, this could be attributed to the defending defendant having a conservative demeanor having a quality read on Ms. Cordero, or being exhausted at the end of a long night of poker. But in the context of his fraudulent cheating operation and realizing he was playing with the illicit advantage of knowing her whole cards, this is only attributable to his conduct.
0: Yes, you know, especially now, you know, think about it, Dave. If you're a smart person, you don't wanna, you're going to want to lose a few hands so that you kind of distance yourself from anybody saying that. You know, right. so that you could stand up and say, well, hell, if I had known that my opponent had those cards, I never would have made that big call there. know, You could have easily have taken people's money and still played the game to the point where, hey, I'm going to wait till the pots get, you know, ridiculously high, take those down, and then lose the medium pots and still walk away with the money. For me, that particular hand, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting too old for this day, but... I didn't see a, a huge problem with him folding that hand there, but once again, without having watched what he had been doing prior to that and how his actions were with other hands, you know, it's very hard for anybody who hasn't seen that to just make a call to say, "Yes, he's cheating." No, he's not, just based on that one hand.
2: Well, he's I didn't already
0: see anything so flagrant, you know that that he that he should be crucified for laying that hand down. If I remember it correctly.
1: Well, let me run this by as well. Stone's Gambling Hall, which uh, is located in the Sacramento area, and trying to desperately to get out of this lawsuit and uh, paying some huge uh, penalties, uh, they have filed a second motion in this uh, lawsuit, saying that they have no. They're saying casinos do not owe a general duty of care to gamblers. Their failure to include adequate facts establishes they cannot support their claims. Plaintiffs cannot prove negligence nor fraud. They rely on innuendo and insinuations that are not substitutes for facts in the law. So what basically what they're saying is that it's not their fault. If Postal actually did this, it's not their fault and shouldn't be held liable for damages. What do you think of that?
0: Well, that's uh that's uh, the CYA aspect of running a, a casino, you know. You want to cover your ass, but if a casino can't, can't have its integrity, you know, can't, doesn't have integrity to try to protect the gamblers, why would anybody want to, uh, you know, go to that casino and, and gamble their hard earned money there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. If they don't
0: believe that the establishment is running a legit game and trying to protect, it, protect them from cheaters. Now, Guess what? We've seen this. We've been doing this show now 10, over ten years, Dave. We've seen some of the ones. Remember that one tournament where the two guys were in on it somewhere in Paris, I believe it was. That was just ridiculous. Um, you can't catch them on on everything, but if it's if it's an ongoing issue like this was with this guy, um, you know, something's. Again, I can't believe that that one particular hand was the one hand that got everything started in motion. No, and like I
1: said, Joey Ingram has uh, gone through and put together a five-hour video of hands, so the the proof is apparently overwhelming. Anyway, let's take a break here on the show. Uh, We'll talk talk about that article you sent me this afternoon and uh, a few other things about poker dealers. When we come back, you're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back after these messages on the show. This is Poker Action Line.
2: can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis listen can't can you you can't see it either wash surfaces utensils and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food especially when handling raw meats or eggs Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick, or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
1: Joe here on Poker Action Line, and uh, uh, Joe invited me to uh, join a uh, Facebook uh, group today, which I did, called uh, Poker Dealers. It's kind of funny. It has the, uh, the soup Nazi from uh, Seinfeld on the top saying, no tip for you, and uh, probably a, always a big joke when uh, poker dealers talk about their tips and, and things that happen, but uh, you come across some pretty interesting stories, including the one you sent me today.
0: Yeah, Big Dave. I mean, I got into it because a uh, dealer that worked for me back in 2012 when we opened up the room, she's great lady, Dawn Jordan, uh, had been inviting me for the longest time. So I would just look at it really quick, and I just, like, said, hey, I wasn't even on Facebook until we, we reopened the room now. But I decided to look at, at an article that barely started with Puggy Pierce. <laughs> That's the one I sent you, I believe, correct?
1: Yes, yes, correct. And,
0: and then when I opened it up and then seeing the comments – and then later on, also seeing um, other other uh, issues that they were discussing there, Dave, um, which you always ask me, well, what would your decision be? They had a tremendous one there, and I'd love to mention that really quick before we get into all these dealers stuff there. But the, it, it really caught my eye, and before I looked at the people's answers, I'm going to see if maybe you could answer this. There was a, a game going on where someone. You know, midway through a hand after the flop, decides to bet three hundred dollars into the pot and throws three black chips in there. Okay, after the three chips were thrown in there, the dealer happens to notice that one of the chips is from a different casino.
2: Wow! Goes,
0: All right, and action action has already taken place. You know, where one person has folded, laid down their hand, and now it gets to somebody else when it's noticed. He goes, "What? You know." And I I answered it one way. The first three people that I read said the same thing, and then other people came up with other answers, uh, different to mine. And after reading their explanations, I kind of said, you know, that, that that also makes sense. So, uh, what do you think you would have done there in that situation if you were a boss or a player?
1: Well, if it you was, was held my
0: able to play the three hundred.
1: I think he would be, because if he verbalized it, first of all, that would be binding. No, well,
0: that's not what they said. He didn't say, I'm betting 300 because okay. that would have made it very simple. You okay. just threw a, a chip that wasn't... It's like if you had thrown two black chips and a green chip. So well, he, you said 300 He yeah. just threw three, three black chips into the pot without verbally declaring that it was a $300 wager. Now, obviously, in any poker world, we know that's a $300 bet, but it wasn't verbalized.
1: Okay, well, I still would enforce it because I think uh you know it's 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 impossible to blame the other players for not noticing those from another casino, so uh they recognize that as three hundred, and I would say uh that's enforceable,
0: okay, well, you know i' am gonna give you an argument on both ends of the fence okay, that.
2: yeah I'd like the my this.
0: initial my initial response to that was the bet's two hundred because it's an illegal chip, okay now when I read the, you know, I said, let me see what, because there was like 10, 11 comments on on that particular scenario. So I said, let me see what the other poker players, maybe some supervisors have chimed in. And like you said, some people said, hey, listen, you know, depending on where in the country where this is done, like in Vegas, even though you can't use other people's chips, if it's a chip that's from one of the other casinos there, they said it would have definitely played. If he had enough money behind him, to cover that hundred dollars, they would have kept the bet three hundred. You understand?
2: Right. So,
0: like I said, they took the, people lined up on both sides of that fence there. And to be honest with you, being that it wasn't handled by a tournament director, but I just found it very interesting that you know so many people in the industry looked at it differently. And as it turns out, you and I looked at it a little differently. My instinct as a supervisor immediately said, "That's an illegal bet. That chip is not a legal chip." So, it has no business counting as a bet, and the wager would be 200 to the next player. It's the, the
1: same as if he had thrown in two $100 chips in his shoe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's taking it to the other. Yes, and I'm betting my left shoe, you know, so, uh, you know, but I understood it, you know, because it's the same color, you know, color chip. Listen, at our casino here, and I know a Dania it tapped in the two casinos that I've worked at, you know. Since since the the limits were taken off, the handcuffs were taken off, we've had chips in pots from from our competitors, and I'm sure they've had ours. You know, um, they're usually noticed by the player who gets pushed the pot and says, "Hey, wait a minute, I got this five dollar chip," and we're we're like, "Well, we can't exchange it for you." You know, but you can go to the other casino and get your five dollars, you know or your hundred what you know whatever the case may be in our cases down here, it's usually a five dollar or one dollar chip
2: right that
0: gets confused. but I thought that was pretty interesting, and I'm yeah. sure i'm I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing scenarios like this going forward because I've always enjoyed the fact when you've given me some of those scenarios well how would you decide in this particular thing and even though we're not getting a clear cut answer. We are hearing some great explanations on why they believe they're correct. You know,
1: do you know what? Should have been do you know what the decision. final decision was? Ah, uh,
0: no, no, because um, somebody, a dealer, made that out there, and again, the, he just threw it out to the general. You know, and if you saw that page, I think it has almost three thousand people in the industry. You know, that are signed up for that for that page. So again, I read like eight or nine, ten of them, and it was funny because. Again, my instinct was no that's an illegal bet, but after reading why they would have enforced it just like you thought it should be enforced, I was like they're going wow, they, they they definitely make a very compelling the argument here and almost made me change my not almost, I actually don't know what is the correct way to do that anymore because they 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 brought up such, you know, great reasoning why that bet should stand as a $300 wager.
1: Well, how about this? What if the player was a former World Series of Poker champion, and when he threw the two chips in, the uh, World Series of Poker bracelet came off his wrist and flew into the pot? Are we playing for that also?
2: (laughs) If,
0: If I was in the hand and I know I was holding the nuts, I'd go... I'm covering that wager. How much is that, <laughs> that bracelet? <laughs>
2: exactly. I'm going to
0: walk out of there with that bracelet. I may not have earned it on the table, but I sure won it in a poker game. So, just, <laughs> It'd be just, lovely, just a being a great silly. story to just,
1: tell. Just being silly. Tell us about uh, Puggy Pearson.
0: Well, I that that that's why I wanted today that I spoke with you much earlier today. You know, that's a name that we know from like the originals. You know, that's you know that with uh, Amarillo with Doyle. You know, and you know to my surprise because I had not read anything else on him. Supposedly he was a horrendous tipper and a very nasty uh, asshole at the table. Yeah. You know, to the to the to the dealers. And you know, when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Well, listen, I've you know, if you deal long enough and you're in this industry long enough. You definitely run into a bunch of a holes that are just as nasty human beings as possible, and I don't know if in the one that I showed you because I didn't I didn't screenshot the another one that addressed Puggy Pearson. Well, I, did re- I, his I did read of them. His brother was the them. same as he was. He was another, supposedly another miserable uh, sob at the table. Now to be to be you know fair with 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 you know with this thing the dealer who wrote about this incident did say that off the table, he was a very nice man, but on the table, he was known to throw cards and, you know, just act like a, you know, like an imbecile on the table. He played for probably the higher limits back in those days, you know? So it was kind of a surprise. And, um, you know, they, the, the, some of the things that they were told that the floor people did by taking $25 from them every time they throw the cards and say, listen, the next time I do this, this, this $25 chip is going down over here. And I don't know. I found it very interesting. And I think we discussed this right before we went on the air that somebody else was addressing the fact that Stu Younger may have been a lot like that at the tables.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was interesting that uh, the floor person actually came over. And kind of enforced, uh, you know, the uh, against his behavior because uh, uh, he knew he would have no comeback and that his behavior was wrong. But he actually took a twenty-five dollar chip off his stack and said, "The next guy that gets uh, <laughs> yes. insulted is going to get this into thrown into his uh, chip stack."
0: Right, and you know, he couldn't. I guess he couldn't say anything. That was the game in town, you know, and and. I don't think this was in what I had sent you earlier, but this is the reason I really wanted to touch up on this, Dave, was the dealer who was originally talking about this because I believe the article I sent you was someone responding to that a day later, okay, was, and this is so true, and this is the sad part of it, you know, you've been at the tables, Dave. I'm sure you've seen some very miserable people and some very ugly, you know, behavior at the table. I'm, I'm, Anybody who's played any amount of poker, especially over the last few years here and now, though that was talked about in the 70s. You know, you you see just people acting like complete idiots on the table and just being nasty. Yeah, the, the, the dealers, I've tried to throw them the hell out. Some of them, you know, somehow stay in the game, come back the next day. And the dealer made a great point where, she, where uh, I believe it was a lady speaking about this. Um, uh, and I wish I could give her remember her name to give her credit, but she said, "Can you imagine if we treated the customers like that
1: because we be, wouldn't have yeah, a job yeah <laughs> you'd be fired immediately uh, exactly. you know al- al- along those lines, I was thinking of this question to ask you, and that is we know that you've had uh you know a little more juice when in your position as a uh, poker room director or as a floor supervisor at different places, but as a dealer. What's the closest you ever came to losing it and getting into a physical confrontation over something that someone said to you?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. I've had I've had three incidents, uh, you know, issues. I should say, uh, and my one was early on when when poker was first viewed here in the whole state of Florida, Miccosukee Indians, which is right up the road from my house. Um, you know, I've mentioned this on the show many times, but they were the first poker room open in the whole state of Florida, and they had no competition for two years. But it was a Mickey Mouse game, quarter 50-cent game, $10 maximum pot. that couldn't exceed that. And Dave, you know, I had a guy constantly getting under my skin. And to be honest with you, I'm very good at turning the tables on people. For some reason, this guy got under me and I couldn't, couldn't figure out a way to turn the tables on him until at the very end when I was just about to lose it. And the guy kept saying, Jesus, you're such a freaking a-hole dealer. You're such, you're a freaking criminal. You belong in jail, this and the other. And for some reason, I couldn't be my witty self <laughs> until after about, after, and we were dealing seven card studs. Right at about the very end of my shift, there was, a, you know, half hour that I was on the table. I was ready to tell this guy where to go. And then I just said, well, let me, let me, finally dawned on me. And I said, all right. And I didn't give him. He was sitting right next to me, you know, on my right-hand side. So when seventh card, you know, playing seven cards, your third card is up, face up. I didn't give it to him. And I looked at him and he goes, where's my card? I go, man, you've been telling me about me, you know, that I'm a jailhouse dealer and this and the other. And I've, I've been racking my brains wondering where I knew you. He goes, I'm so happy to see you beat those charges, brother. You know, I thought you were going to be in jail for all these years. And, you know, I, that's where I started. And people on the table kind of hooked up really quick with it. Oh, you know this guy? He goes, yeah, I met him in prison when we were in prison together. I'm so happy that you got out of that, man. I thought you'd be pulling life for what you did, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this, guy,
0: this guy just, when I'm telling you, Dave, this guy completely lost it because the rest of the table realized what an asshole he had been with me, and they decided to keep up the, you know, keep 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 the 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 sting going on, and I kept you know just into it until he jumped out of his chair, the chair went flying into somebody else that was the table behind us, and he looked like he was ready to hit me. Security came really quick, and he was you know f you. You M and F and this and as he was walking away I go, But I love you and I started blowing kisses at him which only made him even madder. Yeah. So that was that was my first one. So <laughs> that was my first one and the other two were a lot calmer than that, you know, but yeah, there have been instances where players you know, well, get under say- your skin.
1: We'll save the other two stories for another time. I don't know if we have enough yes, time to I just, show to...
0: Trust me, I don't want to go into them right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, I was looking, uh, and we men- we've mentioned a dealer chick a couple of times, uh, uh, her article, which is called One Time Dealer uh, on uh, Card Player Magazine. There's still a couple that are appearing that she's written, but I looked back for some older ones, and I found an interesting one that I wanted to talk about real quick, and it was called uh, Dealers Who Play. And the question from the listener was, um, working as a poker dealer, does that improve your own game? And does dealing count as studying poker? Which I thought was pretty interesting, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh Well,
0: I can only answer <laughs> that from my point of view. Yes, big time for me, but that's because I put a lot of effort into studying the winners, you know, and they it, it was for me, I believe it was a little easier. Back when I was doing this, when I was dealing in the private games, because you know I was dealing with some you know for those days decent amount of money, you know people who would win could walk away with ten twelve, fifteen thousand dollars, you know, and losers could lose seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a night, and it was just so funny because you know I started noticing that out of every ten sessions, usually the same two, maybe three people were always winning six or eight of those sessions. Even when they went 50%, they'd win 50%, lose 50%. They were so far ahead of the game because they would always maximize their winnings and minimize their losses. So I started watching them. And then in the private games, it was usually just two dealers, Dave, so it was a lot easier for me to pick their brains when I was off the table and they stop maybe to go to the bathroom or to eat something. You know, there's always a nice spread out for the players and they'll sit out 10 minutes and eat. And, um, I was lucky enough to get a lot of the, what I, people that I respected as outstanding players and I picked their brains as best I could. So for me, it definitely made me take a very, not just a, a step forward, but a big leap forward for my game.
1: Yeah, she agrees. She says she could learn a lot, but uh, she gives this caveat. She says, dealers see a lot of great poker, but we see exponentially more bad poker, which uh, can affect our thinking. So uh, smart dealers utilize their time in the box to learn, but with caution, because sometimes the best lessons are the ones not to teach us what to do, but what not to do.
0: Well, but either way, that's going to help your game. Exactly. Okay. Either way, I looked at the way certain players played, okay? And there was one particular player who happens to be related (laughs) to my wife's side of the family who would always ask, beg me to get into games, Dave. And this was his M.O., okay? His M.O. was he was extremely aggressive in the beginning. And there wasn't one session that I brought him to, which was about seven or eight of them that he didn't start just kicking ass within the first hour, hour and a half. You know, he'd he'd be so aggressive, people would lay down their hands. Eventually, he ran into, as it turns out, every single session, he'd run into somebody who finally had a hand, and instead of just mucking his cards and making believe that he was just bluffing that one time, he'd turn over his cards. And after I started seeing the garbage he was playing and starting to see that it was just, Aggressiveness that was giving him his his lead at the beginning, and every single session he left with no money in his pocket. Yeah. So that was one of the players that I saw. Another one that won as many times as he lost, but he always lost more money because he never he never got out of a pot. You know, he stayed in every single pot until the very end. So his losing his losing days were were double what his winning days were. So yeah. these are things that I kept in mind. Dave
1: for me as a dealer. Uh, yeah. See one thing I took away from this story as well is she talks about how uh that most many most dealers who play prefer to do so incognito. Uh they don't want to be uh identified as, as a poker dealer uh because people judge them by that fact. Not only that they might think they're really good player, which can be helpful at times and unhelpful at others, but they said that the tournament director when not uh, working, doesn't want to spend his uh, time explaining calls that he made on the floor yesterday. And uh, certainly no one wants to look to be, she says, to help run the game if the dealer in the box is not that great.
0: Yeah, well, that's usually the biggest problem, Dave. You know, you get your – whenever you have ex-dealers on the table, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's usually just one – but one of them will decide he, he or she wants to be the table captain, Right. you know. And, uh, oh, because I'm a dealer and, oh, and this, that. And listen, even though 99% of the methods and the rules are the same, each casino does have, you know, small variants, you know, from other casinos just because that's how they want their room run and, and how they want their game run. So these dealers don't understand that sometimes, you know. Um now on the positive side Dave if I'm a dealer and you give me a table full of dealers buddy <laughs> I'd love to do that every single day of the year If I did that for 2 years I could probably retire because you know the dealers are great for the most part are tremendous tippers yeah. So you'll you'll put up with it but uh that's how it is today Back in my day again To make any kind of money, you know, 25, 27 years ago, you had to play in private games. And the problem there was sometimes the house person said, hey, listen, I need you to come in and play. If you want to continue dealing here three days a week, you got to play one day. Yeah. And it sucks, Dave, because if I'm dealing cards to you and I'm living off of the tips that you give me and everybody else at the game, the last thing I want to do is go there one day And not play aggressive because I don't want to take your money, but if I do have to play it and I win big pots from you, all I'm doing is pissing you off, (laughs) which means you're not going to tip me on the other three days that you go there that I'm working as a dealer.
1: Well, you could always do what our guest last week did, dress as the opposite sex. You could uh, dress up in drag (laughs) and play
0: said, uh, Dave, unfortunately, that'd be like putting lipstick on a pig. You know <laughs> exactly.
1: <what I> mean? <laughs> well, let me just close out this segment by uh, giving you the, uh, the final lines that she mentions, which I always kind of take a lot away from. She says, because I've dealt to so many players so many times, I've learned certain tells. I don't share that information because it wouldn't be fair. Part of the skill of this game is learning those things on your own. And finally, I hope to use it against them someday.
0: Uh, and that she's a hundred. First of all, she'd get run off of a table by the players if she ever gave up the tells. But it's true. That that's why I loved, you know, hearing her her articles. And once again, may she rest in peace. You know, who died way too young. But you know, it's true. That's that's uh, one of the things that, that that I started to help my game. You know, many years ago. And again, I think it was Letter who who I read stating how you have to pay attention in the game. Um, and, you know, when you're out of a hand as a player, start studying your opponents that have cards and see if you could start putting them on the hands. Once you're able to do that 50% of the time, you're going to see how great your, you know, how much your game improves and how much your your bottom line improves. Well, I took that to the next level as a dealer, I have to pay attention. <laughs>
2: right. Every yeah, exactly. single hand. And so, you might as well I, get
1: something out of it, right?
0: Exactly, Dave. Exactly. So, yes, it, and it definitely did work against some of these players uh, later on because I would get to have, I'd have to sit down with them. So, yeah. That's great advice. Stuff that I did, and uh, I guarantee you, if you poll a large number of dealers that have done this for, let's say, five to ten years or longer, you're going to get that answer, especially if they're poker players.
1: Okay, let's take our final break in the show. We'll come back and finish things up when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, all the great places. Uh, why not uh, review the show if you enjoyed it? Subscribe to it where you can, and we look forward to coming back to you next week with another show. But let's finish things up when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. Final segment of the program, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez uh, had some interesting conversations tonight. I do want to uh, touch on a few numbers of what's happening in the poker world. Certainly not uh, the most uh, encouraging signs out there, but obviously we've seen 17 million people out of work in this country that applied for first-time unemployment benefits. Uh, who knows when they're going to get that extra money. I think the government's done a pretty good job with this uh, $1,200 stimulus. A lot of people that had their stuff on file with the IRS uh, have already received their money, and uh, certainly more people will be able to sign up this week with their uh, direct deposit information and maybe get their checks pretty soon. Uh, it's the paper checks. It's the people that have left, been left behind in the uh, in the new world of uh, new tech and and uh, computers and all that sort of thing that are going to have to wait uh, three, four months sometimes for that payment. But and it's not a great situation. But you know the government has to do as best as they can. But I did want to touch on uh, what's happening uh, in Vegas with some numbers. Uh, the American Gaming Association came out and published the fact that uh, there have there will be 1.8 million casino jobs in jeopardy. Uh, over the next few weeks, so that's just casinos, so they are actually asking, and this kind of rubs me the wrong way, I think I've talked about it a couple times in the show, but the AGA is asking uh, the Trump administration to alter their requirements in the Paycheck Protection Program's rules, which were established by the Small Business Administration that do not allow gaming companies to receive any loan assistance uh, that would help keep their employees on salary, so uh, I don't know what you think about that, Joe. Uh, obviously, casinos are uh you know a big part of business in this country there's a lot of people that work for casinos that will be damaged, but it just seems to me with the kind of money that they 've made off people over the years i 'm not sure that they should be entitled to uh bailouts
0: well Dave I think I believe it was you that mentioned uh a couple of weeks ago you know right at the start of this uh lockdown period that the m g m which you know, has something like I can't remember the amount of properties that you mentioned, but at the current rates, you know, and this is a couple of weeks ago, you know, they would have to declare bankruptcy come November. Yeah. You know, with all the bills that they would owe, I mean, yeah, they would make and that's a lot after, of money. That's, after
1: furloughing, that. that's after furloughing 60,000 of their 69,000 employees.
0: Exactly. I mean, listen, They do make a lot of money. They do put a lot of it, you know, back into whatever, you know, however it works. Listen, I don't want to, you know, stand here and tell you I know exactly where they spend their money, but a lot of it is spent, you know, in in keeping the upkeep of those beautiful hotels and everything else. And if all of that money keeps drying up, uh, you know, they're they're going to suffer just as much as the next person. You know, yeah, no they probably have enough to keep it going a lot longer, you know, obviously than a mom and pop or a much smaller company that may employ 50, 100 people, which we would consider to be a nice size, you know, hey, that's a pretty good company, you know. They've got thousands. You said well, how much did you say? Sixty thousand or sixty-nine thousand? Sixty-nine thousand
1: employees, and sixty thousand of those have been furloughed. So uh, there you go. You so know, almost. There was also a note about Boyd Gaming, who we both have worked for in the past. Uh, they have eight uh, casinos in Vegas, twenty-one all around the country. Uh, they announced that they would furlough most of their twenty-five thousand employees. But on the brighter side, uh, Win Resorts and Las Vegas Sands both say they will continue to pay their employees for two months. And for the wind properties, the tipped employees will even receive pay that includes the average amount earned through gratuities.
0: Well, yeah, and they've done that. I know Hialeah has kind of done a little something like that, not to that great extent there. But my brother-in-law who works at Hialeah, as of now, is still getting paid, you know, his hourly wage plus some tip money, which is better than none. I know that I'm you know, the where I work we're not getting that, but they are paying our insurance for right now. They're keeping us on the insurance, which for me is a huge thing. I know it's not as big for people who are much younger and don't have any pre existing conditions at their young age, but you know, unfortunately I need this from my from for my family and I'm very grateful. How long that will last I don't know. You know, you and I are.
1: You know, I know you
0: are getting insurance also where you're working. I I would imagine they're also keeping that up for at least well, a little I, while. Well, I,
1: I hope it uh, I hope it lasts. I am on furlough officially, and when I was off last summer for ten weeks, they did allow me to pay my my uh, health insurance uh, money uh, for the time I was off to keep my my benefits. So uh, and they I'm only charged
0: you the amount that you were paying.
2: Correct. Correct.
0: Okay, which most people don't understand. Like it's I know, like I know where you work and I know where I work, and and they have the same amount, which we're paying sixty percent and they're paying forty percent. Okay. Of what it what it costs. I okay. don't know if you
1: knew that, but no, I thought it was fifty fifty, but no,
0: you're you know, paying sixty and they're paying forty. Okay. But still, that's that's huge because yeah. not only is it's not only are they paying that, but remember we're getting a cut rate. Uh, uh, number
2: group rate because yeah. of
0: how many people are in the company so really? you know even if i don't get paid listen if i could keep my insurance until you know until every you know till we we figure a way out of this thing that's happening to the country uh and we get back hey i'm very grateful for that you know god forbid we know anything can happen
1: yeah, certainly, it's uh, less than you uh, would pay on Cobra for sure.
0: <laughs> well, in Cobra, you're paying that hundred percent. That's yeah, that, exactly. That's why it kicks people in the butt when they see Cobra because you know if if you're paying six hundred a month uh, because it's a thousand dollars and now all of a sudden you go from six hundred to a thousand without having a job, it really kicks you in the ass.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. Last thing to uh, note is uh, what's happening in Vegas. Still, the World Series of Poker uh, is not been, the decision has not been made. It's yep. supposed to start later in May. But Steve Sisolak, the governor of Nevada, extended the shutdown for uh, all of Nevada casinos until at least May 1st.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I haven't heard, have you heard anything in Broward? Because I didn't hear anything in, in Miami. I'm assuming it's still on for April 30th down here.
1: Yeah, so far, so far. We'll find out uh, soon, I think, uh, as things move forward. Listen, that's going to do it for the show tonight. We uh, appreciate your comments, Joe, uh, as usual. Joe Costello, thank you for all your help. We've got to get a cough button for this uh, remote broadcast. Huh? <laughs> no, Joe's shaking his head. Uh, no way. He said, uh, you know, just uh, swallow like a normal person. You'll be fine. There you go. Anyway, uh, thanks for uh, being with us, everybody, tonight. Uh, I wanted to thank our uh, guest from last week as well. Uh, If she's listening out there, a great response to the show uh, for Sandra Moore of uh, Poker Queens. And we look forward to uh, having her again sometime. But that's going to do it for the show tonight. We'll be back next week with another edition of Poker Action Line. And
0: everybody stay safe out there.